0: Not that way, thank
1: you. Blog oh, radio. Sir. So now we got the vibe radio network world, we have the Facebook Live world and Good evening everybody. Hi everybody. Welcome to On the Sports. On sports. The end of uh, end of uh, January.
0: Yes, end of January. Did I say September? I hope not. I have no idea.
1: Does Neat Tang anything anymore? I kind of. No. Anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah. hope everybody's doing all right this evening, and uh, uh, before we dive into anything, I um, just wanted to uh, give a quick shout-out to our friend Glenn, yes. uh, who oftentimes watches the show. Um, he's uh, feeling a bit under the weather, and probably uh, don't expect to see him online tonight, unfortunately, but uh-huh. uh, we want to just wait and give him uh, best wishes and uh, hope that he's feeling better soon.
0: So, Glenn, this is for you. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, Hopefully we will see you
1: back on here live soon. Uh, but in the meantime, you can catch us on the replay. Yep. So, as always, we catch those replays on Facebook and also uh, the Build Vibe Radio Network. You can go ahead and catch all of our shows uh, back after the fact. And, yeah, we got uh, Patrick here. Uh, good evening. Uh, good evening, Patrick. And we have we're looking very sporty. We have our... Uh, our
0: well, we figured we should wear them, because <laughs> we have them. We
1: have them, our, our, our poor, hapless neighbors who have never, ever won a Stanley Cup.
0: Are they doing as bad as the Canadians this year?
1: I honestly haven't been paying attention, <laughs> which probably doesn't say anything good. <laughs> but, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, yeah, so aside from that, um, hello to Laura as well, and thank you for sharing in those good wishes for Glenn. Yeah. Um, But yeah, glad to have you all here tonight, and uh, also uh, we hope that um, our our friend Alex, who's uh, here too, or at least that she'll be able to catch up. catch up on this later because uh, she was one floated this idea yes. to us and admittedly it was a fantastic idea
0: because it was a fun rabbit hole to go down.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and not one of the not one of the topics that we'd ever thought about covering before, which uh, which is definitely enjoy uh, enjoy being able to dive down those new research holes and it was uh, quite the bounty of material. Yeah. Uh, so I never expected to get a huge hit and I just didn't go towards the not to mention the ones that are in our library and all that good stuff as well. So, yeah, we yeah. got... We're, I did an ESPN article right
0: off the bat of five stories. I was like, okay, here we go.
1: Yep. Not to mention that we'll probably have, um, you yeah, know, most likely at some point we'll be able to do a, a, a second episode yep. at some point. So, yeah, we got a lot to work with here tonight. And uh, so we're just going to be kind of hitting the, uh, the tip of the iceberg here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, but. will uh, Oh, I get, I get to start. I get to read my introduction. Yeah. It, it, I think it's a fairly it short introduction is. tonight. But yeah. So, and, as you know, obviously, yeah, there's Alex. Hi, Alex. Uh, as you know, it's always looking for us here at Austin Richmond. I mean, it, yeah. And, well, the decor outside is skeletal. And yeah. We so got, got, hey. got skeletons sitting up, front. we got signs hanging up inside and saying it's always Halloween. But uh, for many people, this time of year, is, is better known for major sporting events. We have to admit that. I mean, obviously, people are not necessarily the, – the spooky stuff isn't at the forefront of everybody's mind right now. We got, it's cold outside. Yeah, it's a little cold outside, What cold weather, people often play with hockey. And we do, in fact, have the NHL um, All-Star Game, and uh, the All-Star activities are going to be coming up here in just a few days, I think it is. Uh, Of course, uh, the the Super Bowl is right around the corner, and this is a year for the Winter Olympics. So, yeah. Starting
0: Friday. Yeah,
1: starting Friday. So, we got all of that stuff coming up here. Uh, And, well, if you would actually think about, you know, putting ghosts in sports in the same sentence, you would be leaving a notable piece of sporting history on the sidelines. Yes, that was an intentional pun. Yeah. Thank you. So So, the sports world has many haunts, and it's our pleasure to be able to share some of these tales with you in this sporting season. So we're actually firstly going to be going to um, uh, a nice little city that I I have a lot of fondness for. Um, I've been there uh, a few times. Yeah, we need to get stuff up there. It's a fantastic little city if you've never been. But I'm talking about Madison, Wisconsin. Now, it's the capital of the state of Wisconsin. And it is home to the University of Wisconsin, which is the home of the Badgers. That is their mascot up there at the University of Wisconsin. Now, the Badgers can claim a long and proud history of sporting sporting success, including their football program that is centered around the historic Camp Randall Stadium. However, long before Camp Randall Stadium became the home to Wisconsin football, all the way back in 1917, the site served as a barrack. A training ground for Union soldiers during the Civil War. Named after the state's governor Alexander Randall, a fierce abolitionist who had threatened for Wisconsin to secede from the Union if Abraham Lincoln didn't win the presidency and end slavery, Camp Randall started as a training facility for the 6th Regiment Wisconsin Infantry. But it also uh, saw service as a prisoner of war camp and over the course of the war, over 70,000 Union soldiers received training there, and following a major Union victory in April of 1862 at the Battle of, Ten, uh, at Battle of Island No. 10, uh, it was tasked with taking in about 1,400 Confederate soldiers as prisoners of war. Now, to say that the facility was ill-prepared for the sheer volume of prisoners would be an understatement. Within weeks, illness spread rapidly through the camp, and by June, all the remaining prisoners were moved to Camp Douglas in Chicago due to the inadequate and unsuitable conditions. Ultimately, 140 men died on site during the camp's brief existence as a prison, so about 10% of the men who were taken prisoner never left Camp Randall. Those that died there were interred in a mass grave nearby, now known as Confederate rest. Interesting side note: Confederate Rest is the northernmost Confederate graveyard in the nation. It's this grim piece of the area's history that many locals and Badgers football fans like think expo- uh, explains the chilling sightings that have taken place around the stadium for years. Tailgaters have described seeing spirits ahead of games, reportedly wearing Confederate gray uniforms, as well as various slings and bandages. They wander the stadium ground, seemingly oblivious to the rowdy football crowd around them. The nature of the apparitions leads many to think that these are residual hauntings, mental impressions on the landscape that are replaying the traumatic events time and again. It gives some glimmer of hope that these are not spirits that are doomed to suffer without end, but rather that their experience at the time was so powerful that the emotions echo across the ages. So if you ever find yourself in Madison, Wisconsin, and you want to catch a football game, just be aware that some spirits from 160 years ago might be accompanying you and 80,000 other football fans on your way to the stands. And I think it is, uh, it's one of the 50est, 50 largest stadiums, carried anywhere around the world. And I think so. It's absolutely massive, and even though it wasn't that big when it was first built in 1917 the original stadium is still there at the core they built just they kept building and adding onto that original stadium to come up with this absolutely massive complex so I'll go take care of that in just a minute
0: Una is entering her teenage years of defiance
1: yep yeah. and What's the
0: mood tonight.
1: Uh, and Alex says sorry about the bill yeah that was.
0: That was rotten. That
1: was. Those it. that were time those need to be changed. It was quite the amazing game and quite the amazing last two minutes. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: well. It's what yeah. it is. Well, I'll be watching Olympics that night not.
1: So. Yep, probably. Most likely. We'll see. One thing at a time.
0: We'll, we'll see how tired
1: here. I will go address the... Uh, Rebellion taking place on the dining room table where she
0: does not belong All right, so we're going to jump across the pond uh, because I could not do haunted sports stadiums and not include some from other Locations outside the us, so we're going to go to st. Mary's Stadium in Southampton, um, England the uh, United Kingdom And a rebellious one uh, now, of course, Southampton is a coastal city, and after a 103-year run at the Dell, San- Southampton FC moved to a brand-new stadium about two miles away in 2001. For the uninitiated, the FC stands for Football Club, original football, not our football, uh, and a.k.a. the soccer team. Now, the new stadium, named St. Mary's Stadium, after the nearby Church, that founded the team in its earliest days, is a state-of-the-art facility that boasts over 32,000 seats to host the team's nine fans. There was just one enormous problem during the team's first season at St. Mary's Stadium. They couldn't win a game. Naturally, fans are inclined to do what they do. <laughs> they search for reasons for why this embarrassing news streak is happening. We gotta blame something, right? Some said supporters of the Portsmouth Football Club, its archival buried in a shirt underneath the stadium during construction, jinxed the team. But others believe that it was something more sinister at play. Scattered reports arose of workers that would avoid being alone at night in the stadium. They would report seeing shadows move with their own volition and hearing disembodied voices echoing throughout the empty corridor. While these stories were certainly chilling in their own effect, they started to give rise to the rumors that a curse rested over the stadium and the team that now called it home. Now, who or what would cause such a curse? Because we know curses are hand-in-hand with sports legends. Uh, well, the motions are certainly running high. when want comes to your favorite sport, uh, sporting team our their competitors. A curse might seem a little extreme, but it's not unheard of. Unless the football club built their stadium right on top of your ancient burial ground.
1: Admittedly, at this point, is there any place in the UK that is not an ancient burial ground?
0: There's got to be walk past. They're not big enough for a stadium. I'm just saying. Anyway,
1: not not to say that I condone it, but. No,
0: point in fact, do a blessing, please, on the land before you break ground. Just saying. So the modern stadium, you know, stadium lies directly in the heart of what was once an Anglo-Saxon settlement known as Hemlock. The graves and the human remains dating back to the 7th century were discovered on what became the stadium Granite. <laughs> Archaeologists continue to discover artifacts all across the property that date back more than a millennia. Clearly spooked by The Happenings, or perhaps just a losing record. The team nicknamed the saints brought in a pagan witch, and uh, Conley actually hoped that by putting the wrathful spirits and curses to rest, things would improve. Conley performed a uh, what would be known as a clearing ritual, intended to send the lingering spirits forth forward into the afterlife. While one might be tempted to label them evil spirits, it's kind of hard to blame them, given the fact that their very sight was offended. Just for a little extra insurance, Conley also performed a blessing to bring back a little luck to the downtrodden football club as well. And just hours after Conley performed her ritual, the Southampton Football Club won its first game at New Stadium. While the team has fared better since the first season, it says that the ritual didn't completely stop strange happenings around the stadium. The employees and fans alike still share stories with supernatural experiences at St. Mary's Stadium, and the ongoing presence today gives a somewhat unsettling charm to the stadium at the heart of Southampton. Yeah, maybe it's a different version of Angels in the Outfield. Ghosts in the soccer pitch.
1: Mm-hmm. The pitch. We have Nordy Kitty
0: tonight. And she's back up there. Hey,
1: Donnie. No, no, she's not up there. broom's
0: oh. on the ground again, huh? Uh, as my dear old familiar Vincent has decided that my brooms in the house are his toys. If he starts riding one, we're going to have issues. Because I want to learn that trick first. Just saying, they're my brooms. Hockey holiday. Here we go. Well what hockey holidays. Ooh, I
1: get to do that? Yes, you do hockey. Yay. Were
0: there any comments before we
1: do Um, uh, <laughs> uh, mostly about the kitty cats. Of course. Of course. Yeah.
0: See Nico's being very, very good. He's right over here on top of my heating pad.
1: We just we we need uh do we need heading heating pads for all the cats? <laughs> <laughs> Our microwave would protest. Oh. Our what?
0: Microwave would protest.
1: Oh well, yeah, there's that.
0: Ah, anyways.
1: <laughs> so, uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, of course, it is most closely related with the NHL. Not all NHL, but it is kind of the main focus. It's actually kind of one of the main criticisms that the Hockey Hall of Fame has faced over the uh, over the years. But yep. We are going to start with a little bit of background on the NHL. the National Hockey League. National Hockey League has a long history dating back to 1917. So it goes back quite a way. It is the second oldest professional sports league that's still around today. Uh, it's second only to Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball actually can trace its roots all the way back to the immediate aftermath of the Civil War. So it's hard to compete with that. <laughs> Now, after nearly 30 years in existence, the NHL helped lay the groundwork for the Hockey Hall of Fame in the late 1940s. And while the NHL is still central to the Hockey Hall of Fame, the museum stands as an independent organization that showcases and honors the full history of ice hockey. The Hockey Hall of Fame has called several places home since its founding, but it has called Young Street in downtown Toronto home since 1993. The museum's, quote-unquote, modern, facility is housed in an elegant historic structure that was built to the Bank of Montreal in 1888. Considering the building's long history, they're surprised that it hosts more spirits than those of defunct hockey teams. Rest in peace, the Hartford Whalers, Quebec Nordiques, the Atlanta Thrashers, and the Minnesota North Stars. Admittedly, not all of those teams completely went belly up. Some of them relocated, etc., etc. but you, guess, you catch the point. So And uh, just just to name a few, there's been a lot of hockey teams that have come and gone over the generations. Now, visitors have long reported seeing a woman with long, dark hair, particularly in and around the second floor women's restroom. It's always the bathroom.
0: (laughs) Always the bathroom.
1: And usually the women's one. Yes. Yes. And that's the
0: thing I screamed when I read the story. I'm like, seriously? (laughs) What is it with our bathroom?
1: You know you're going to go visit it when we get yes. the ah, Of course you will. <laughs> anyway. With me. <laughs> the spirit is believed to be a former bank employee named Dorothea. In 1953, the 19-year-old shot herself in the women's bathroom at the bank. She died at the hospital the next day. There are many rumors and theories as to what caused Dorothea to take her life, but none have ever been confirmed. The Toronto Star discovered the presumed identity in 2009 after years of reports of a ghost named Dorothy. In the years after Dorothea's death, employees of the bank began to report unusual activity. lights would inexplicably turn on and off, doors and windows would open and close of their own volition. Some employees would step away from their work for a moment and they would come back and find their desk in disarray. They would hear strange sounds like phantom footsteps or, the most unsettling of all, disembodied shrieking. The most common thing that people would report, though, is the feeling of a distinct presence, like someone else there watching them. The spot this feeling was strongest was in the women's restroom on the second floor of the bank. It got to this point where the employees who were using that restroom were so uncomfortable in there that the bank had to put a second restroom in the basement because so many people were refusing to use their bathroom on the second floor. While the bank ultimately moved, the strange occurrences remained. Employees and guests of the Hall of Fame had reported hearing similar noises and experiencing the same overwhelming sense of not being alone. One employee at the hall shared a story of a young boy on a tour of the museum with his parents and other adults. At one point, the boy stopped in his tracks and began staring intently at a wall. Someone asked him what was wrong, and he responded by pointing and asking, Can't you see her? No one else in the group could see anything or anyone. But the young boy was insistent he was seeing a woman with long, dark hair walk in and out of the wall. He couldn't believe that no one else. stories like this have made it one of the most well-known haunted spots in Toronto and while the museum doesn't necessarily promote its haunted history it doesn't exactly deny it either the original haunted walk of Toronto has permission from the Hall of Fame to use their front courtyard as a meeting place for the tour and they hosted a special Halloween event on the second floor of the museum in 2013. For this special event, the walking tour that night was allowed to come inside and finish the tour a short way from a reportedly haunted restroom. During the conclusion of the tour, one man left the group to use the facilities. When he came back, he reported that he had heard a woman screaming in the adjacent women's restroom. The man was quite shaken by his encounter, yet he was the only he was only the latest in a string of many people to have a brush with the paranormal in the hockey hall of fame. On a related note, we're happy to report that today the Hockey Hall of Fame is finally reopening to the public after a prolonged closure due to COVID. So next time you're north of the border, pop in to check out this archive of hockey history and maybe some hauntings as well. So, yeah, just reopened today, January 31st. And, uh, yeah, you can go north of the border now, too. Mm-hmm. You, you have to go through it and all the COVID stuff and all that. Oh, we won't get into those details. But, anyways... I think you can go ahead and visit Canada for recreational purposes again. A country well worth visiting, I promise. Absolutely. And there's a lot of fun things to do in Toronto. They said it's hockey hockey thing. We just haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, amazingly so. We've been there a couple of times. we never made it.
0: Yeah, we've gone for theater. Yep. (laughs) And
1: museum stuff. You know? Theater was the cornerstone of both of those. Was it so? Yes. Lion King and... I saw Phantom yeah. up there, a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. We oh. saw the Princess Diana up there. Yes, we did. That was the other trip Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did not actually go to the theater on that one. No, we went for the...
0: Yeah, okay. We that's saw, right. we, we saw um, Medieval Nights dinner show.
1: Ah, yes. The Medieval um, Times. times. times yep.
0: Yeah. Good times. So the next one was fun because I knew about it. And he didn't. And it's his hometown. How did I know this?
1: I, I can't know everything.
0: I'm the research trackable person, so that's why I knew it. All I, right, don't, I don't so. remotely
1: know anything, so <laughs> it, it's okay.
0: So we're going to Rochester, New York, and Frontier Field. Um, in the mid-1990s, the Rochester Red Wings were one of the winningest minor league baseball teams in history the Triple-A squad, then an affiliate with the Baltimore uh, Orioles. Now they're part of the Minnesota Twins organization. Uh, They had won 18 titles in nearly 100 years of existence and had won the division title most recently in 1993 and 1995. With a dedicated fan base, they decided it's time for a new stadium and, of course, the franchise would be moved over. Construction got underway for the new facility in downtown Rochester in 1996 and the workers reported discovering bones on the grounds underneath where the stadium eventually went. It remains uncertain if they were human remains or that of an animal, or if they were even that there at all, but the rumors persist to this day, and an off explanation for anything strange happens at, uh, at the ballpark. The team moved to frontier field and went well, for the start of the 1997 season, and members of the ground uh, crew and custodial staff started reporting inaccessible happenings on the same day, including televisions randomly turning on in rooms where no one had been for days, or lights turning on and on. In 2004, unsettled employees brought in a team of ghost experts from Rochester, Paranormal, to have a look at the stadium. The investigators claimed that they had encountered a number of ghosts with people who previously lived in the area, some of whom actually seemed pleased that their old home had been converted into something that brought joy people. While this sentiment might not be universal amongst many of the chairs, the team to linger there, the activity was benign enough for Fred Field to embrace the title of the world's first officially haunted stadium. Officially. Officially. The team at the stadium capitalized on the distinction for several years and hosted fear at the frontier events around the world. One time, Red Wing's spokesperson admitted that despite his own lack of belief in the paranormal, there might be something to discomfort that people feel in the stadium after hours. He said, I think there's something inherently creepy about the end of the night at a sporting venue that's supposed to have thousands of people in it cheering, having fun, drinking beer, and just having a good old time. And at the end of the night, all the lights are turned off, and you all the loving bodies in a huge facility. And there's an unexpected noise It's jarring because there isn't supposed to be anybody out there. For therefore, many fans have tried to blame the team's struggles after moving to the stadium on the paranormal. For a team that had a long waiting tradition, it's the only explanation that they can think of for not having won a title since moving to the stadium 25 years ago. And while the players generally try to put the paranormal fails aside when they're at home, they're on the road and some players refuse to stay certain hotels because of their haunting legacy, and that
1: brings us to our next I Actually, I have ne- I've never been to a baseball game at Frontier Field. The only game I've been to at Frontier Field and what we didn't mention was that it shared the stadium with the Rochester Raging Rhinos, which was the local soccer club. Also quite respectable in their own right. Um, Frontier Field is beautiful. Quite the facility. Yeah. So the one time I remember it, it being there, it's quite uh, the impression on me. But and
0: isn't it host an
1: outdoor hockey games? yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, actually, I think it hosted a bit of series of them. Um, yeah, we're uh, you know, with the, like the minor league equivalent of the um, Winter Classic. classic. Uh, of course, Rochester has the Rochester Americans, yeah. or the Amherst as yeah. they're affectionately known. Um, and left to watch. Yeah, and yeah, we went to saw one of their games the last time we were up there, which is it has been to those too long.
0: Last time we were up there, we actually tried to see a game,
1: and they were abroad. Yeah, but um, yeah, I caught a lot of baseball games when I was uh, when I was younger up there at uh, the old Silver Stadium, with the uh, Frontier Field's predecessor, and saw the uh, Red Wings win many a game there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, Seem to be the curse of the new stadium for whatever reason. Is okay. what it is. And next time we uh, get up there, which we do get up there, it's been a little too long. Hopefully, oh, cool. yeah, we'll we'll go catch some uh, sporting events. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to the west of Rochester, hopping across the Great Lakes, you get to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Got too, Wisconsin for tonight. It's there that many visiting players absolutely refuse to stay in historic. Sister Hotel. There are countless stories from players around Major League Baseball about their strange enc- encounters at the Swanky establishment. In hopes of creating the grandest hotel in the city, Leo Sister began working on the hotel in the late 19th century. And yes, that's really his name. I hope nobody's offended because it's, well, it's yeah. The same. It's his name. The the uh, anyway, continue. Uh, now, uh, Vister died a month before its opening, but his son, Charles, was determined to carry out his father's vision. It opened in 1893 and was immediately successful. It has hosted many New York presidents during its esteemed history, and Charles sister, who never married or had children of his own, worked tirelessly for the rest of his days to ensure his father's legacy carried on in the property. Charles even lived in one of the suites for many years and was the operations manager at the hotel. And some say he never left the hotel after his death in 1927. Guests have described seeing an older, portly, well-dressed, smiling spirit who resembles Sister's portrait still hanging in the hotel. He has been spotted looking over the lobby as well as various other parts of the hotel and has become something of an adored figure in the city. With his own parody Twitter account, his only goal seems to be the continued comfort of guests. Today, professional baseball players seem to have had the most experiences with Cisco's ghost over the years. Uh, Lardon Ellis, Lardon Anyway, please that this is simply you're trying to help out his hometown Brewers and give them the ultimate home field advantage. While some think that the incidents were actually players playing pranks on their teammates, others think that even if this is the case, that it is Fister encouraging the opposing players to mischief inside. Now, during Fister's lifetime, it was common for traveling teams to be harassed during their entire stay in Milwaukee. Home field advantage for the Brewers meant not just knowing the field and the conditions, but uh, but you got to rest comfortably while your fans would go out to the traveling team's hotel and pound on the windows all night long. Many players have publicly discussed their paranormal encounters as sister. In 2013, Michael Young, then a member of the Texas Rangers, recalled an experience he had at the hotel in a story for ESPN magazine. He said, oh, that place. Listen, I'm not someone who spreads ghost stories, so if I'm telling you this, it happens. A couple years ago, I was lying in bed after a night game, and I was, ouch. My room was locked, but I heard these footsteps inside my room stomping around. I heard all these stories about the hotel, so I was wide awake at that point. And then I heard it again, these footsteps on the floor, so I yelled out, Hey, make yourself at home. Hang out. Have a seat. But do not wake me up, okay? After that, I didn't hear a thing for the rest of the night. I just let him know that he was welcome, that he could be pals, that he could marinate in there for a while, for as long as he needed to, just as long as he didn't wake me up. Bryce Harper of the Washington Nationals had a similar experience. He you one time last summer before I went to sleep, I laid a pair of jeans and a shirt on that table at the foot of the bed, those things in hotels that you sit on and put on your shoes. I just laid them out, simple as that, When I woke up in the morning, I swear on everything. The clothes were on the floor and the table was on the opposite side of the room against the wall. I was so flustered. I honestly thought there might be someone in my room. I had no idea what the hell just happened. So I actually looked around and then I checked to see if the door was still latched. And it was. Harper went on to press several of his teammates to see if they were pranking him. They all swore that they did not was determined to not spend another night in that room and at the front desk to move him to another floor for the duration of his stay. Now, Pablo Sandoval of the San Francisco State Giants said, I don't like the ghosts there. In 2009, I went to take a shower, and I remember putting my iPod next to a speaker. When I came out, he was playing music, and I have no idea why. I left the hotel after that. didn't want to stay there. In 2010, me and Edgar Renteria stayed down the street and paid for it on our own. Then last month, I decided to stay there again. I asked myself, why do I have to be afraid? The only thing I asked the ghosts was to let me sleep, and that they did. Finally, C.J. Wilson of the LA Angels recalled, "I've had lots of experiences there. I was on the computer one night doing my typical shit, surfing the web, sending an email." editing a photo, and then all of a sudden the lights started flickering. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be so pissed if my computer dies. Then the lights just shut off. And then the TV shuts off. And then the lights turn back on. But the light at the front door turned turns off. I just yelled out, really? I have this thing with ghosts. Just engage them or confront them. Just say, hey, man, I'm here to chill out. I'm just here to send some emails. No big deal. Just leave me alone. So after that, I went back to whatever I was doing on the computer. But then 30 minutes later, there's scratching on the walls. Now I'm thinking, okay, it's the Midwest. There could be a possum or something in the wall, right? That's possible, isn't it? All I knew was that there was definitely noises coming from the wall. I just said out loud again, can you please just leave me alone? I'm really trying to work here. At this point, I'm on edge. I'm literally looking to see if there are people in the hallway if someone's trying to pull something. We'll do that sometimes. Take a guy's key card and hide in the closet or behind the shower curtain and jump out. But then the lights really started going crazy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't want anything from you. Leave me alone. Or no, write it down. Write it down what you want. I can't communicate with you through the lights. The next day, we all show up at the park and everyone has this uneasy feeling, like we had bad time to or something. I said to one of my teammates, you wouldn't believe the bleep that was going on in my hotel room last night. And another guy said, oh, my God, are you talking about the bleep you heard? Everybody had a story. One dude got locked in his bathroom after he, and he had to call. Um, he had to get the hotel to get him out. Another guy had the lights turn off when he was in the shower. Another guy saw something. I don't get too terribly concerned unless things start shattering in the room. Well, was fine. I don't get that much sleep anyway. But you just get a vibe when you walk in. It almost feels like you're in Prague or something. It's very gothic. Lots of gold enamel, crosswalks, and atriums everywhere. Being on the road so much, we're used to a standard cookie cutter place. But this hotel totally stands alone. That's not the only hotel. I love to say that. Uh
0: you know, there are some types of these guys will pay for a room
1: out of their own pocket because they are so put off by the readers. Yeah. Now, Craig does point out here that no matter how much the, uh, uh, the, the the Ghost Sister might try to help out the Brewers, they have only played in one World Series all the way back in 1982. Yep. So, so He's
0: trying, but it's not working. The
1: Brewers don't exactly have what you might call a winning tradition
0: here's what it is so we're going to jump over to Oklahoma City um, where players you know baseball players and Mets sisters. basketball players on the other hand have scurvy and Oklahoma City landmark is more has more than its fair share of believers players in town to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder have their fair share of experience as well and more than one has publicly blamed their lackluster experience on the court Due to a restless night at the Skirman Hotel. Many refer to the ghost of a woman named Effie as the primary spirit who walks the halls of this hotel. As legend goes, the hotel's founder was owner W.B. Skirman, and he had an affair with a maid named Effie. She became pregnant with his child, and in hopes of avoiding a public disgrace, he lost her in a room on the 10th floor throughout her pregnancy so she would not be seen. After giving birth, she was so despondent by her situation that she jumped out of the window with her baby in her arms and plunged to her death. Guests have reported seeing a female ghost with long, dark hair as well as hearing a baby's cries at all hours of the night. But there isn't evidence of such a woman that that ever existed. Her wife died three years before the hotel opened its doors in 1911, so a relationship with another woman wouldn't have been much of a scandal. Dr. Kervin reported, reportedly had a reputation for being known as a womanizer and a heavy drinker. And there were also said to be salacious activities happening on the hotel's then top floor. That said, fact or fiction, the tales are just one piece of the hotel's haunted aura. After the oil bust of the 1980s, the Kervin closed in 1988 after decades of prominence. Once the epitome of wealth and status in Oklahoma, it set empty for about 19 years before reopening as part of a large renovation project in 2007. Ghost stories began emerging during its closure as it sat there, a massive abandoned building in the heart of the state's capital city. For their part, NBA players across the league know the tales of the Skirvin as well. They particularly know about Effie. An Oklahoma City veteran player, Karin Butler, was once quoted saying, everyone in the league knows about her. Hopefully, she'll hunt all the teams that come to play through the playoffs. <laughs> Often short on sleep and battling punishing playing schedules, the visiting players have reported instances of unexplained door flames, bathtubs mysteriously filling with water, and groans and screams from a woman and a baby, turning the hotel into a defensive weapon for the hometown center. The STM colonist Bill Simmons uh, on his own, had his own brush with Effie and a child during one night at his parents'. He said, suddenly it dawned on me, I wasn't alone. I had an overpowering sensation that someone was in the room. And until you've experienced that feeling, you can't really understand what it's like. Your blood is just pushing through your veins at 200 miles per hour, and you don't really understand why. Your body reacts for a few seconds before your brain does. I kept the lights on and the television. And that's how I spent the next three and a half hours, half asleep, half awake, completely spooked. The words man up did not even answer
1: the equation. Yeah, uh, Patrick, I'm not sure which hotel you were referring to, whether it was the Pister or the uh, Scrumman. But um, they are both still there. Yes. Um, the spelling might be a little odd. So if you're trying to...
0: <laughs> Hello, Vincent. Say hi to everybody.
1: So, if you're,
0: so <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to um, look up uh, look these places up online, uh, Fister is actually spelled with a silent P on the front. So it's P-F-I-S-T-E-R Hotel. And it is still there in uh, Milwaukee. And uh, the other one, the uh, Scriven
0: is S-K-I-R-V-I-N.
1: Yeah. So kind of a the spelling is a little a little unusual, um, but uh, that's, that might be why you may be having some trouble finding them if you're trying to look them up online. But uh, I just checked in both of the uh, – ah, my bad. It was renovated, not torn down. Oh, yeah, the P threw me, LOL. <laughs> oh, <well.
0: laughs>
1: that's a Yep, it happens. Trust me, it's one of those, uh, both of those were names that I had to look Double at check. and read to myself several times. But
0: <laughs> um, You finally gave us the heating card, buddy? Has it gotten too cold? Don't bite.
1: Mister, I'm nodding on everything. He's a little feisty. So, um, uh, okay, so Mr. and Scribbing got it. That's cool. Thanks for the clarification. Of course, that's what we're here for. At least one of those reasons. Anyways, um, but, so, yeah, we are going to stay in America's heartland for this next story as we move to Kansas City's Kemper Arena. Now, this, you know, bear with us for just a minute. I know that um, the, this kind of uh, raises a high level of the uh, skepticism with a lot of people. But while well, the competitive nature of professional wrestling may be questionable, there is little question that the drama that unfolds within the ring entails tremendous athleticism and at no small amount of risk. So yeah. It you
0: off those ropes is amazing.
1: Yeah, it, it it might be basically a soap opera, you know. But people enjoy it. But people enjoy it. And um and it definitely does have a high amount of athleticism involved, so we will definitely give them credit for that, even if it's not necessarily quite so competitive as uh, they might like to might like you to make it out to be. Now, many of these wrestlers, due to the nature of um, uh, you know of the sport, have suffered severe injuries and sometimes, unfortunately, even death while engaged in their performances. One such unfortunate athlete is Owen Hart, who tragically fell to his death while he was being lowered into the ring for a WWF show in Kemper Arena in 1999. An article in the Kansas City Star later suggested that Hart's presence seemed to linger on in the arena. The reports were somewhat vague, but employees claimed to have seen Hart walking the Raptors while dressed in his blue blazer costume, the persona that he was portraying when he died. The same witnesses claim to have seen the cable that Hart used for his descent in the arena, and some claimed lights in the arena flickered during these sightings. People have also heard the sound of a safety harness being adjusted in the rafters, the same activity that Hart would have been engaged in right before his tragic fall. So it seems that Owen Hart might be lingering on there in Kansas City despite his unfortunate passing 23, almost 23 years ago now. Yep. It's been a while. But yeah, I remember that on the news. It was uh, all over the place, and um, uh, a lot of um, a lot of my friends were very, very much into WWF and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, everybody was quite shook to the core after that um, that tragic fall. So I carry on. Okay, NASCAR. Not yet. Okay. So you, wanna do, you want to do you want to do NASCAR? I want to do NASCAR. I figured you would because I have a connection to that one. Okay, Thank let you. me see real quick. All right, way, uh, I will go ahead and read this one, and then we'll, we'll pass it back and forth. There's two more stories between them now, so you okay. read one, I'll read one to give it back to you for NASCAR. All
0: right, so we're going to pop on over to Dodger Stadium, which is the third oldest bar, ballpark in the Major League Baseball, uh, behind Fenway and Wrigley Field. Now, it is the oldest um, Major League Baseball park west of the Mississippi, And it's, of course, truly iconic, one of the few baseball stadiums that will ever be likely to be replaced. It was built in 1962 and has been home to the L.A. Dodgers for over 54 years. It's one of baseball's great pitcher ballparks and has been home to 12 no-hitters and two perfect games over the years. Located next to Chavez Ravine, the area was once home to a Mexican-American community composed of hundreds of families. In 1950, however, the park picked Chavez ravine for the site of the new housing project known as the Legion Park site. In spite of protests from the community members, the city used powers of eminent domain to buy out residents with promises that they would have first shot at new housing until the ravine was nearly abandoned. Ultimately, plans for the new housing project were abandoned and promises to devote land in the ravine to public use were broken. By 57, only 20 families remained on the property, and the following year, city voters approved a deal awarding the land to the Dodgers by a margin of only 25,000 votes. In 1959, a law enforcement official forcibly evicted the community's last remaining residence, famously dragging one woman from her house as she protested its impending destruction. It wasn't only the livings that were displaced by the construction of Dodgers Stadium. A cemetery for the Hebrew benevolent society was moved to make room for the stadium's parking lot. The Los Angeles Dodgers Stadium was said to host many ghosts, often attributed to the residual anger of so many people who felt cheated and wronged by the construction of the stadium. A woman uh, in white has been seen and heard by many employees. She's sometimes seen dr- uh, diving off of a cliff at the ravine, and she will sometimes release a bone-chilling scream. Legend has it that it is a woman who kills her children. Other spect- specters include a couple on their honeymoon who plummeted to their death from a hillside overlooking the city of Angels. When the Dodgers slide into a losing streak, it is often assumed the anger spirits of past residents are behind it. Families from the former residents even come every year to honor their ghostly relatives and encourage them to stay peaceful. Amongst the more bizarre legends are thus about the stadium's underground vaults and tunnels. Some people say that these sub- subterranean chambers lead to one of the three lost cities of the Kofi people that are now inhabited by lizard people. On that note, we're going to move along.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a talk about getting – uh. Really, kind of jumping the shark?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll cover lizard people and cryptoids episode in the future. Yes, we will have a cryptoids episode yeah. in the future. But lizard people are on a, aren't on that list.
1: Yes. Yeah. My original list is very long. It's cryptoids from every state. There's going to ultimately be at some point multiple cryptoid episodes. I'm sure. Multiple. I mean, we have already admittedly touched on werewolves, which do kind of fall in the cryptoid they category. Do. Certainly one of the more prominent ones. Yes. They got their own show. We'll get some of the other, maybe, uh, overlook's not the right word, because many of them are very... It's it's
0: the lesser known
1: ones. Lesser known ones. Lesser known, maybe less common. Yes. Because there's lots and lots of werewolves.
0: Let's just say there's Bigfoot in every state except for Hawaii.
1: Are you sure? Have you seen some of those guys on the beach?
0: (laughs) They just leave, leave flaxy.
1: Anyway, bad joke. Moving I'm, along. I'm
0: not
1: even Oh uh, right, God! All right, I get get to uh, circle back to the NHL. Yes. All right, so NHL arenas have some horror stories of their own, including Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio, home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was built on the site of a former prison that hosted many horrors during its tenure, including a fire that killed more than 300 prisoners. It was the deadliest prison fire in U.S. history. In 1834, the nationwide where the nationwide arena sits today, the Ohio Penitentiary opened its doors for the first time to the guilty and incarcerated. Spread across 22 acres of land, it was an unsightly beige blight right next to the heart of the city. The whole building and every prisoner that ever crossed its gates seemed cursed with a troubled and sorry past. In 1849, a cholera epidemic swept across the jail, killing 121 convicts. It was also host to several riots, and one on Halloween of 1931, and another in August of 1968. In the 1950s, a virologist by the name of Chester Southam injected live HeLa cancer cells into several inmates to see if they could develop an immune response to cancer. The scientists later admitted that they were aware of the possibility that the subjects could develop the disease themselves. It caused quite the controversy and raised questions as to the ethics of informed consent. Over time, the prison grew a brutal and primitive reputation. Despite the prison's entire dreadful existence, there is a day of tragedy that stands apart from the rest. On April 21, 1930, while construction crews were building an expansion of one of its buildings, a fire broke out on the scaffolding. The blaze quickly encompassed the compound, and amidst the pandemonium, some 800 inmates remained locked in their cells. Desperate screams echoed the corridors, but their anguish fell on deaf ears. The guards refused to free them. Not one of these men helped them to escape. A handful of the few prisoners managed to escape being locked in, overpowered a guard, stealing his key, and dashed back into the flames. They unlocked as many cells as they could, and as they went along, the other inmates helped carry the injured, attempting to put out the flames and saving as many as they could. Their efforts saved the lives of hundreds of their fellow prisoners. Despite the tragic fire, the Ohio Penitentiary would operate for several more decades. The buildings were eventually razed in 1997 and the site was redeveloped around the modern Nationwide Arena that opened in 2000. Today patrons at hockey games report the smell of smoke, the sound of men screaming and their pacing and uh the sound of men screaming and pacing themselves and the sound of the flames burning the prison can still be heard particularly around the parking lot. Considering the horrors that took place on the site for over 150 years, there's little surprise that the site remains an epicenter of paranormal activity to this day. And now moving on. to the story the best requested? Yes. Oh, we got here. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Come. Hey. Hi, everybody. Okay. I need just a moment. Bye. Uh, and you broke it. And what did you do? We were paused. Sorry. Okay, Chris. I will fix it. Please. (laughs) I will try to fix it. I will try not to pause the broadcast again. Hope everybody's still there.
0: (laughs) Okay. Think we're good. No more zoomies, kitties. At least
1: give us just a few minutes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. This is why I sit closer to it because cats. <laughs>
1: That's the first though. This is the first time they've actually managed to completely knock it over like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, good times. Um, what was what was it saying?
0: I don't know, there was a comment before I was getting complimented for my catchy. Uh
1: yeah. Cat prisoners are not guinea pigs. No, definitely. No, they not. V for vendetta vibes with uh, the pr- experimentation on the prisoners and the p- prison fire. Yep. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not cool in any way, shape, or form.
1: <laughs> way to use your athleticism, fitting for a sporting episode.
0: Lulu <laughs> <laughs> did not get any ideas.
1: And everybody's still there. They can't get. We can't get rid of them that easily. Okay. All
0: right. So um, the reason why I wanted this story is because. Uh, when my parents lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, I was in college, and when I would come home, I would work uh, bartending, um, waitstaff type things for special events. And one of the events I worked was actually for the Earnhardt family with their uh, Christmas party. It was the last Christmas party that Senior was at. Uh, so I got to meet the entire family. I got to meet Senior and um, got a sign poster from them. Uh, only a few months later, he was killed in the car accident uh, during one uh, big race. So um, that's why I wanted to kind of have this story, since it does sort of revolve around them. Now, the racetrack, of course, is not immune to the paranormal. NASCAR drivers fear the jinx of the Talladega Super Speedway. They report their cars handling strangely, only to find nothing wrong when they come into the pit area. While some might feel inclined to find a natural explanation for the mechanical difficulties, there's something about that track that gets into a driver's head. Perhaps it's the most famous story of paranormal occurrence happened at Talladega involving Bobby Isaacs, a NASCAR veteran. During the 1973 Talladega 500, he reported hearing a voice telling him in the middle of the race to pull the car off the track and get out, never to race again. Unbeknownst to Isaac, driver Larry Smith had wrecked earlier in the race and passed away from his injuries. Smith was the first ever fatality at the Talladega Super Speedway. Isaac stayed away from racing for a while, though he did run a few more races in 1974 until his death in 1977. On August 13th of 1977, Isaac was competing in the Winston 200 at Hickory Motor Speedway when he was overcome by heat exhaustion. He died in the overnight hours after the race from a heart attack induced by the heat exhaustion. His friends that knew of the voice at Talladega came to wish that Isaac had complied with the warning issued to him four years prior. The separate event in more recent history uh, tells a different, warmer tale of the paranormal rescue. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is an amazing driver in his own right, but he does, of course, share the common name with his legendary father, who died in a crash in 2001 at Daytona Parkland. It was only three years later that Junior had a terrifying brush with death during the practice session for the American Le Mans Series race in 2004. After a minor crash at Sonoma Raceway, Junior's car burst into flame, engulfing the entire vehicle in a fireball. Intense flames licked at Junior's flame-retardant driving suit, leaving him hospitalized with burns on his face and legs. Immediately after emerging from the inferno, Junior demanded to thank the man who pulled him out of danger. His crew told him there was no one there. Dale recalled, I don't even have an explanation other than when I got into the infield care center, I had met my PR man by the collar. I was screaming at him to find the guy that pulled me out of the car. He was like, nobody helped you get out. He was so convinced that someone had pulled him out of the driver's seat and asked to see the video of the crash, which confirmed he was alone. Dale Jr. believes that it was his father that pulled him from the burning wreckage.
1: Quick Yep. Earnhardt Classy crew all around. Yep. Ah. <clears throat> but yeah, I do remember that day, that um, senior Passed yeah. very well.
0: My mom called me to say to tell me because I hadn't watched the race that day. I yeah.
1: was in grad school. Yeah, I had friends that were very very big fan, fans. And when I was in, you know, we were both in college at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only time that I saw my one friend cry. yeah, so, yeah. He, I mean, he,
0: he and his his sons are amazing. Uh, when you talk to him in person, they were really good guys. Yeah.
1: You know, uh he is isn't as hard to believe, gosh. In over twenty years. Yeah. yeah. But may he rest in peace. Classy, classy guy all around. Yep. Uh so we do have one more stop this evening. And for this we are going to be going down to the big easy. Uh better known as New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans. Here we have the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, home to the NFL's New Orleans Saints. Now, football is easily the most popular sport in Louisiana, and the entire state turns its attention to college and pro football on fall and winter weekends. So the Saints had a rough rough first 30 years, which is a pretty long stretch to have a yeah, pretty rough stretch. Um, It was actually enough... um, there was talk of um, the Saints abandoning New Orleans. Yes. They, they were ready to give up on New Orleans. There had been talk of moving them to other locations, but they're still there to this day, as we know. Um, now, uh, the, fran- the football franchise has seen great success in more recent years, and it did, of course, win a Super Bowl in 2010. Now, this victory was just a few years after the Superdome had a front row seat to one of New Orleans' most tragic and tumultuous events. Hurricane Katrina, in 2005. In the aftermath of the storm, Superdome housed many displaced Louisianans for several weeks and served as a makeshift hospital and morgue. During the chaos, several people died at Superdome, and it was plagued by violence, drug use, and gang activity. The National Guard was brought in to handle security and to eventually evacuate storm refugees' safer locations. Superdome was closed for about a year while repairs and renovations were completed. Aside from the Superdome's most dire hours in the aftermath of the storm, the stadium had a long history dating back to 1975. It has seemed too much for there to not be a few spirits hanging around the place. Before Katrina, the, Super, uh, the Superdome already had a supernatural tendency and a legend to it. The place was built atop the abandoned garage, Street Cemetery, sparking plenty of paranormal rumors from the very beginning. As soon as construction started, crews started unearthing skeletons in coffins. Victims from the yellow fever epidemic of 1850 and the cholera epidemic of 1930 were buried there and never claimed by family. It was believed that the destruction of the dead's rest led to them to take vengeance on the team for the first 25 years. The belief in the curse was so strong that a voodoo priestess was brought in before a playoff game in 2000 against the Rams. While he did manage to win that game, the Saints continued to have struggles until the years after Katrina. Many believe that after the Superdome suffered its darkest moments, that the healing energy of the first game back helped to lift the curse. The immense positive energy from fans and players alike on September 25th 2006, was thought to be enough to bring the team and the city back from the brink. For better or worse, since those days, the Superdome has been rumored to host all manner of ghosts and spirits. Even if you feel the curse is broken, you may want to be a little extra vigilant when walking down certain corridors on certain nights. That was our final of this evening. Yep. And we do have a whole bunch more that we will share on another day. Yep.
0: once I go down to another research travel. Yep,
1: but so. in the meantime.
0: Yes. Next uh, show we're going to be doing five New England. Uh, so
1: that was another one that Alex suggested, and I go down that rabbit hole very easily. Yep. So we've of course shared many, many a tale about New England uh, over the course of almost two years now. Yes. Yeah, so uh, just
0: various, you know, haunted hotels on the beaches, that sort of thing. So we're actually just looking at the Northeast Kingdom of New England um, at this uh in general. Yep. And there's
1: going to be multiple ones of that, too, because I have a lot of so stories. So many stories to share. So, so many, many states. Stories. So many stories. So many states. Uh, you, we didn't talk about it. Once upon a time, we talked about actually trying to do an episode for every one of the 50 states. Which I think we need to get back to. Yep. We've done a few. Yep. We've done Florida. We did Hawaii. We did Kentucky. Yep. Kentucky. 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 I I can't it's a good thing we're talking about <laughs> Relatively speaking. But um da 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 da, 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 da. Not much more going on. Paracon
0: was awesome.
1: Yes. Enter Paracon per, per, was a blast. Um, definitely will be happening again at some point in the future, probably uh probably January next year. But that of course is uh, ways off down the line and there's many, many other events to plan for between now and then. Yep. So we got a, relatively speaking, full year ahead of us. Yep. Um, um,
0: of course, Hanukkah Web Strip, still going. Yep. Still got a few rooms available. So definitely, if you want to get in on that, take your uh, reservation of the Denver Closet.
1: Yep. So, because that is going to be a blast. Yep. But really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, uh, let's see. I think, oh, of course, we have tours running on the weekend. Friday, Saturday night, so we got a Haunted Richmond will be out giving tours. Yes,
0: and um, this is our last month for publicly scheduled um, Pop Pop and John Marshall House uh, yep, that we this have this
1: month. That February will be. In four um, hours this yeah.
0: month. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, February is the last public schedule that we have for those right now. Um, well, we we fully, need to consult calendars.
1: Yeah, and we fully expect that we will offer those events again down the line, but... Um, yeah, those are the last ones on the calendar for now. But um, yeah, we got a, a, a good full year ahead of us. A lot of uh, a lot of fun events coming up. And uh, oh, on a bright note, it looks like the uh, after a um, very very long two-year hiatus, that the Churchill Irish Festival will be coming back. So we will be there with a the table. We will be there with a the table. We've already confirmed it, and uh, because well, it takes place right on our front step. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We are looking forward to that, and uh, you can plan ahead for that. That's what the last full weekend in March.
0: Yeah, and 26th, I believe.
1: Yeah, we'll have lots of episodes between now and then. Of course, there will be several episodes between now and then. We'll remind you as, as uh, those uh, week, weeks, and days and weeks and whatnot move forward. But, yeah, so other than that, we will be back in two weeks. If you do want to chat with us before then, we always love to hear from you. Go ahead, shoot us a note via Facebook Messenger, if you will. Um, You can always email us and all that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to answer your questions. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in for yet another episode. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy the Super Bowl, enjoy the NHL All-Star Game, enjoy the Olympics. Uh, Olympics. Got all that stuff that is going to at least be starting between now and our next episode in two weeks. So a lot of stuff going on. Just because it's cold outside doesn't mean you have to be bored. So, right. <laughs> With that,
0: have a good two weeks. We will
1: catch oh, you later. any wait. Oh, questions. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I've got people chatting here. Uh, do... do uh, Craig here. He has uh, he has the uh, seniors and juniors uh, autographs as well. Awesome. We 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 actually we we do have those um, those autographs secured in a secure location. Mm-hmm. But yes, we, we have those autographs as well, both end of guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, and thanks, Alex. She 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 loved hearing her story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick got to visit New Hampshire and Salem, at Massachusetts last October and had blast. Yes, share some awesome haunted New England stories. Yes. Both are beautiful locations. Oh, and, and what's that Hocus
0: Pocus has finished filming and it's coming out at Halloween. Focus Pocus 2.
1: Can't wait. <laughs> Tonight was spooky fun, as always, Alex. That includes the fun of the fall dangling over <laughs> the edge of a table by a cord. Yes. I can thank uh, the boys
0: for that. Oh, that was, boys, right? that was the boys. That
1: was the boys. That yeah. was the boys. And Laura, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it was enjoyable. I went to New Orleans and heard about that. So yes, yeah. yeah. we actually we have not been to New Orleans yet. Well, so it's on the short list.
0: Yeah, I technically was when I was like nine, and we didn't go
1: into New Orleans. We were on the outskirts for a convention. And that also doesn't include we.
0: Yeah. So I need to get back. Okay. Yeah. Hey, when? Oh. <laughs> when we have vacation time next year.
1: Yeah, something like that. Okay. Your hair looks fabulous, by Yes, way.
0: It's, it's a lovely, warm shade of pink and, and ginger again. I'm going ginger again.
1: so Now I'm just All right, bye, y'all. Good night. good night. Hope to talk to y'all soon. See you soon. Good night.